Hello and welcome to the Playground Podcast. I'm Chris Byrne and my co-host and cohort Richard Gottlieb has the day off today, so I'm going to be flying solo, but we have a terrific interview with you today. We have Eric Poses, who is the creator of the Loaded Questions game, and it is celebrating its 25th anniversary with a brand new edition, Greatest Hits. And as we spoke, Eric was setting off on a 22-city tour to promote the game Person to Person. We caught up with him just as he was hitting the road, and we think you're going to enjoy everything he had to share with us about the history of the game, what's ahead, and how he's managing on the road. Listen in. The Playground Podcast is brought to you by Global Toy Experts, The Toy Guy, and Beacon Media Group. Eric, you've been doing this for 25 years. How does that feel? I feel old. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's half my life. I turned fifty this October. Okay. Uh, and it's actually prompted me to embark on what I've deemed the midlife crisis tour, <laughs> where I'm recreating how I started my company back in 1997 when I drove around the country selling my first game, Loaded Questions, out of the trunk of my car. This time I'm hopping in a sprinter van that's decaled with all my games okay. and trying to rediscover my lost youth. And what better place to do that than on a college campus? I know as an adult, I did promotions at spring break and I never felt so old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will be hitting up a bunch of college campuses, including my alma mater, Emory in Atlanta, uh, Vanderbilt and WashU and uh, a bunch along the way. So I'm excited. And we're talking about the 25th anniversary of Loaded Questions, which was really a breakthrough game at the time. We see a lot of card games now. We see a lot of the mechanic of your your, your co-players, since they're not necessarily competitors, voting on answers or guessing who said what. How did this game actually originally come about? So I was waiting in the airport in Miami for an ex-girlfriend to come in, trying to think of what we might talk about. And for no good reason, for no good reason, <laughs> the question, what's the first thing you would do as president came into my head? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking that like a single question could spark an hour of discussion. Right. That was the first question that came to mind. And my immediate answer in my head was mandatory Seinfeld viewing, which at the time <laughs> Seinfeld was my favorite show. And that, that made me realize you could answer that question in so many different ways. You could talk about uh, equal rights. You could talk about gun control. You could be funny. You could be silly, you know, whatever, however you wanted to answer it. And that sparked the idea for this game, Loaded Questions, mm -hmm. which soon took over my life, caused me to quit my job, work on it full time, have friends and family over for pizza and beer. And after about three months, I had this game idea and realized I better start a game company and, and try to start selling it. So that's how it all came about. And you come from a pedigree that is game uh, infused, right? Your your mom family is the Todman of Goodson Todman Productions. And oh my gosh, all summer long, we watch The Price is Right, Family Feud, Card Sharks. And we still, my brothers and I still tell each other that you've won the silver service from Michael C. Fina. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up watching the shows and very angry that I could never be a contestant because of the relationship. Of course. But yeah, my, my mom is Todman of, of Goodson Todman Productions and 
Um, I believe all those properties are now owned by Fremantle, but yeah, that, that is my lineage. So people have said maybe games are in my blood. One of the things Brian Hirsch, who's a game inventor also, who did Out of Context and Taboo and some of, some of those other games, he always said that the games are social lubrication. What have you found in playing with ga- the games with people who either know each other well or don't know each other? Well, the games that I create are all humor-based. It's all humor-based gameplay meant to spark really good discussion between families, friends, and they serve as icebreakers. So what's interesting is when I'm on the road and I'm playing the game with strangers, people who have never met each other, they certainly have never met me. After about a few rounds of play, you have a foundation for, you know, you have that social lubricant you just mentioned, where now you have a basis for for friendship. You have a great experience. So games really do serve that purpose. I, I play games all day, not just my own, but uh, my game closet's absurd with <laughs> everyone's game. And, and we're in a time now where games seem to be more important. We seem to be seeing more games being played, whether it's it's your games or Exploding Kittens, we, we've talked to them, or Cards Against Humanity, not my favorite, or other games like that. What do you think about our time has made games more prominent, especially for younger Gen Z people? Well, like I said, games have always been prominent in my life, but clearly the category has exploded. It's amazing how many new games pop up every day. The pandemic certainly led to more people realizing how enjoyable it is to kind of just sit at home with friends and family and enjoy a board game. Um, It's relatively inexpensive entertainment. uh, And frankly, there's a lot of good titles out there. So I I would personally rather spend $20 on a new game than a movie ticket uh, when I'm usually disappointed in the movies that I go see. And now I own a game that I can either keep playing or pass along to someone else who might enjoy it more. And and one of the things that that I've sort of thought about has been the need for social contact that's not necessarily screen-based or not watching TikTok or that's actually human-to-human across a table. And and that's something that your games give us. I I need human contact. (laughs) I am a hermit. I am a recluse, and the pandemic only made me worse. And so I am very much looking forward to getting on the road again and reconnecting with people. I, I can be as gregarious as anyone. And when I'm on the road and I'll be solo, leaving my family behind, uh, I will be engaging anyone I see, anyone willing to talk to me, anyone willing to play the game. So, yeah, I'm, it's great for that. And I've told this story before on the podcast, but when I was working on Pictionary, we would, we would sample the game to everybody, and we found that that was a very effective way of selling, how, how has person-to-person connection really helped drive the game? My games work perfectly that, perfectly that way, excuse me, um, especially with loaded questions, because I can literally pull out a card from the deck and say, uh, what is your greatest hidden talent? Or if you could be a member of any TV family, who would you choose? And who doesn't like to talk about themselves and answer personal questions like that, where uh, they don't get too personal? So it's an easy entree to a, to a quick discussion. So now you, you did this tour the first time 25 years ago. You were 25, as you said. 
What was your life like then? And what are some of the stories from being out there? Because now you're married with kids and you're just, it's a very different life today. I, I was a history major from memory with zero business experience. <laughs> I had no cell phone. I had a huge Rand McNally map that I used. I had the yellow pages on CD-ROM where I could look up toy and game stores in every city I went to. I wasn't married. I didn't have two teenage daughters. I was a moron. Uh, (laughs) And so I just kind of hit the road with an open mind and looking forward to engaging as many people as possible. I would say the thing that's changed most is clearly I have a family, I have a mortgage, I have a lot more responsibility. But I think the the same level of engagement and excitement is there. So I am looking forward to reconnecting with people. And any crazy stories from that first trip? Any, any that stand out for you? The, the, the loaded question, what is your greatest phobia? For me, it's lightning. And when I was camping out in the Badlands National Park on my way out west, I was in the worst lightning storm I've ever been a part of where I was squeezing my sneakers and my rubber sleeping mat, thinking that might save me if I was struck by lightning. I played loaded questions in Seattle at a youth hostel with four people, including a guy who didn't speak English, who was using a German English dictionary to play loaded questions. He ended up winning uh, (laughs) (laughs) that game we played. But just reconnecting with friends from high school and college and random people I never met before. And one other great story is when I was in Henderson, Nevada, I had the opportunity to meet with Howard Moore, a former merchandising manager from Toys R Us. He and his wife, incidentally, are known as the or were known as the kissing couple in that they had the largest collection of art related to kissing or the kiss. Okay. Uh, anyway, my dental hygienist had a cousin on the other side of her family who was related to this guy, Howard Moore. He was gracious enough to invite me in his home, play loaded questions with, uh, with me and his wife. And he then recommended the game to the Toys R Us buyer at the time, whose assistant buyer had bought my game at a store in New Jersey that I had sold to when I was on the East Coast two months prior. And so it all kind of worked out where Toys R Us became my first national account in my first year of business. Wow. And those are, those are the stories, the classic stories of the toy industry that, that you can't replicate. You can't, you can't do a PowerPoint and a market strategy to do that. That's just serendipity. It was pure serendipity. Um, and at the time it hit Toys R Us, I was lucky enough to have the Wall Street Journal and USA Today do articles on the game the same week it hit Toys R Us stores. So we were sort of off and running from that first week it hit a national chain. One of the things I always believe is that things hit at a time because they reflect the zeitgeist in a certain way. They they really do hit a moment of time, like the Barbie movie right now. This could only happen in this time, and I could go into that another another time. But what was it about 1997 that made this game take off? That's a great question. And I, I don't know that I've ever thought of it in those terms. And I like to think of Loaded Questions as an evergreen game. And I'm hoping to recapture that magic this of year course. with the Greatest Hits edition. I don't know that personal questions, fun 
creative content that allows people the opportunity to talk and engage other people. I don't know that that can be relegated to a certain time. Um, I will say that when Loaded Questions debuted in 1997, the game market was not as crowded as it is today. And it was a relatively new concept, fresh packaging. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that my, my road trip and all the coverage that I got from it really helped to build exposure for this game. And I still think the game is as enjoyable as it was when I launched it in 97. Right. Well, people are still people, right? And that's that's one of the things about a good game is it, it should be easy to play. You should be able to play, open the box and start playing, but it's got to change based on who's playing it. So your answers and my answers aren't necessarily going to be the same. If we play enough, I'll be able to predict what you're going to say or, or come close. But it, it's that surprise of something you didn't know about somebody. Yes, absolutely. So you've got a, you've got a new anniversary edition coming out. What are some of the new questions that you're asking? I'm going to have to refer to the new questions. <laughs> there are about 128 new questions out of the 250 in the game. The other ones represent the best content from previous editions. I believe there's only one pandemic-related question. I tried to steer away from that, and I made it humorous. Man, on the spot... I think one of the new questions is, what would you least expect to find in a safe? I don't know how that came about over the last 26 years, but uh, I'd have to delve through the deck to to give you a good example of something uh, inspired by, you know, the last few years. I would like to ask that question to Geraldo Rivera. Just just say it. <laughs> you know, with Al Capone's safe when he opened it, there was nothing there. So. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so where are you going to be hitting? You're taking off from Miami. What's the first stop? So I will be driving to get out of the state of Florida, uh, which, which is an endeavor in itself. And I'll be stopping at um, a bunch of Target stores and Barnes and Noble stores, um, which are carrying the Loaded Questions Greatest Hits game. I'll be stopping at the University of Florida campus to do um, a meeting up with a bunch of game ambassadors and we'll be handing out free product on campus. And then it goes to Atlanta, Athens, Greenville, Asheville, Nashville, Louisville, St. Louis, Chicago, and then back across the, uh, the United States on my way to Toy Fair. So this is all coinciding with the New York Toy Fair, which I'll be hitting up about three weeks into my trip. Wow. Um, and then eventually I'll be making my way back down the East Coast to Miami with about 10 different stops. In all, it's about 22 different cities. One of the things most people know from games, and games marketing especially, is that word of mouth is one of the most important things you can do. At one point, we estimated that on Pictionary that for every one we gave away, we sold seven. I mean, obviously, that's worked for you. But what else are you doing to promote the game besides the road trip and wearing yourself out? I'm doing all the stuff that I think most game companies are doing or should be doing. A lot of influencer marketing, uh, media outreach, social media ad spends uh, across TikTok, TikTok and Meta, um, Google search, YouTube ads, all that kind of stuff. Any in-store promos I can negotiate with my larger retailers I try to do. I do specialty incentives. 
But really, this road trip um, is what I'm looking forward to most from the word of mouth standpoint. Um, I have a very large sprinter van with a trunk full of about 180 cases of product. Oh! <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's 1,600 pounds of games. And uh, I'll be giving it out to, I, I'm really hoping to run into lots of families, groups of high school kids and college kids where I can give one game to four or five people at a time and let them figure it out and hopefully, you know, create an opportunity to have a fun game night where now five people love the game with every sitting. And one of the things you mentioned was that in 1997, the games market was less crowded. What are what are some of the challenges you're facing today? The retail landscape has changed. There's a lot that's a lot that's different in the past 25 years. What are some of the big challenges you are looking at anticipating and how are you responding? Well, I, I feel very lucky to have the shelf space that I do at a lot of great retailers, but um, every year is a challenge, um, whether it's a new buyer coming in who you have to reintroduce your line or if your game is underperforming. Um, it, it's really just a, a competitive landscape in trying to get shelf space. So, in terms of uh, what I do different, I'm not sure that anything is more important to me than creating what I consider a perfect game. So I labor and labor and labor over it and have countless game nights with friends, family, and an army of Craigslist people I've recruited <laughs> over the years in Miami to give me all the advice and negative criticism I can get to build a better product. And so when I make my introduction to retailers, I, I feel really good about what I'm presenting. Now, I'm not always right, but baseball-wise, I'm batting pretty well average-wise. Yeah. I think everyone in the toy industry knows if everything's working, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, unfortunately true. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your company is called All Things Equal, and you've got a bunch of other games. You've got Awkward Family Photos, which is hilarious, Greatest Hits based on the website, The Weird School Game, uh, which my nephew loved, and oh, you know, some, of, some of the others. What do all your games have in common? Humor. That, that's, <laughs> that's my goal. I, I want to at least get some laughter out of the gameplay. What, what I have found when I watch people play is with most of my games, if not all, people really don't care if they win or not. They're having a lot of fun during the course of the gameplay. And that's that's what I'm going for. My 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 motto is from the Big Lebowski. It's just a game, man. Uh, and I approach my actual games that way. I try to approach life that way. I'm certainly trying to, uh, when I think about this road trip and being away from my family for six or seven weeks and everything I'm trying to accomplish. I keep reciting my mantra of it's just a game, man. And are you going to be chronicling this tour? Are we going to be able to follow you, follow you on Instagram or, or on social media as you, as you schlep around the country, not schlepping in a, in a, in a van, but there, there's some schlepping involved. Uh, <laughs> I, I am the most social media averse person out there, but unfortunately I will be reversing course and documenting everything. That that's great. I I, I am too. I, I I think that well, my life may be interesting to me, but 
who cares? But but something like this, I think people are going to be eager to see you uh, both for interest in the game and just to see how are you doing on this marathon? <laughs> I, I am going to be putting myself out there like I normally don't. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what the interest level is. Well, getting out of your comfort zone is a good way to grow. So, so we'll That's look right. at this as a growth experience for you as well. <laughs> that, that it's it all folds into the my uh, into the midlife crisis concept of it where this is me getting out of my midlife crisis and um yeah i, I think it'll be very beneficial right i mean you could have bought a maserati instead you bought a sprinter van <laughs> that's right yeah no i'm not the flashy sports car type All right, Eric, I'm going to ask you the question that we've asked every guest on this season of the Playground podcast. Who is the person or people who have most influenced you as you developed your company? I I often think about my parents. You know, like I I have this company, it's just me, and I I have a lot of pride in the products that I put out. And I guess like any middle child, I want my parents to be proud of me. And and so I would say that that's a big influence. I've certainly had a lot of mentors in the game industry over the years who have helped me and whose knowledge I I often go back to uh, when I have queries about a specific product or approaching a retailer. But I would say my parents are my, my biggest inspiration. So, Eric Poses, you are choosing to confront your midlife crisis by going back to the beginning and selling games again. That's pretty exciting. And we'll catch up with you at Toy Fair and see how you're doing three weeks into it. But uh, thanks so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. This is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, my co-host and cohort, Richard Gottlieb. Richard will be back with me next time when our guest will be Mary Cousin. One of this year's inductees into the Toy Hall of Fame, the creator of People of Play, and the genius behind the Chicago Toys and Games Fair. We'll see you next time.